So good afternoon and welcome to the B2B Marketing webinar channel. My name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. And today we're going to be talking about digital communities. And I put, we posed the rather provocative question, are they the future of B2B Marketing? I'm sure if you're a seasoned B2B marketer, you've never heard that question before. But let's explore whether that is the reality today. Um, it's a very exciting topic. Lots of things to talk about. And a really fantastic panel we've got today. I always say that, but I really mean it. We've got a fantastic panel of people with some great expertise from different sides of the B2B marketing industry who are going to um, explore um, a list of questions which I've pre-prepared. But also, more importantly, questions from you. We really want to get your questions in. So please do uh, let us know what you think um, and ask your questions as early as possible and we can get make sure we get to those as quickly as we can. Um, a bit of housekeeping before we start. If you haven't used the the um, on24 platform before um, this is this is a kind of microcosm of what you can already see but just to explain the different components uh, the video player you can see there and there's a Q&A bunk the Q&A tab which as I said is the most important bit in the bottom left hand corner there's a resources tab there things you can download things you can access and on the right hand side you can see more about our wonderful panelists and speakers today so those are different ways you can interact with us and things you can use to get more out of the the, the event today we'd love you to get as much as possible out of it um, so just um, doing a bit of, um, going back to a bit of a kind of scene setting, really. I mean, digital communities, uh, it's a fascinating topic because for me, it was something which was starting to explode uh, about 10 years ago, starting to get big. And then it all kind of felt like it went away again. And now it seems to be really back with an absolute vengeance. And I guess um, I'd really, one of the questions I'd like to explore with the panel is why they think that is, what's happening, why it's suddenly so back in vogue again, and what it looks like this time around, because it's not necessarily the same as it was before, or is it? Let's find out. Let's ask the panel and see what they think about that. Um, and, and then but perhaps more importantly, what does it mean for you in terms of um, your marketing and how you can uh, best exploit that? Um, and um, um, yeah, what, so, um, uh, what, 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 how can you use communities, either yourself as a brand or piggyback on third-party ones? So you can see here, I've got some, we've got some wonderful panelists. We've got Susanna Kemp, who's, um, who's actually our chair at B2B Marketing, but wears various other hats as well. Um, and I'm going to just get Susanna to introduce herself along with other speakers more fully in a moment. Um, we have Ashley Friedlin, who's CEO and founder of Guild. And uh, you may also remember from eConsultancy, uh, which he still has an involvement with. So someone who's been very formative in the whole digital marketing space over, over a number of years now. I won't say, say how many, Ashley. I did put a figure on how many years you've been involved when it gets stacked. And that was very embarrassing. I'm sorry to have done that. I, I feel like I, I, I let that, I, you know, I transcended that paper wall between us. Um, and then last but not least, Zoe Merchant, who's Managing Director at Bright, who are a B2B marketing agency who are really kind of specialising in this area. And I think obviously agency is a core part of the community, but also they are, help to enable different things as well. So very interested to hear what, um, uh, how, what Zoe has been experiencing with her clients and customers. Um, so um, before we kind of start diving into the questions and get their panel to introduce themselves, what I want to do is ask a first question, and I might kind of go back and do that um, whilst we're answering this, get people to, um, uh, to get, get the panel to introduce themselves. So I wanted to ask everybody, um, how or, or are communities currently part of your customer, your marketing, your customer engagement pro activities? So tell us which of these best applies to you. Is it yes, we're running our own community, or yes, we're working with one or more third parties? or no, but we're actively looking at it right now, or no, it's not something we've considered at all so far right now, or lastly, none of the above. So please tell us which of these best applies to you. Um, and it's really helpful for you to complete, to, 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 to tick one of these boxes, because it gives 
uh, our panelists a much better idea of who's on the call and what they want to know about. So please don't be a wallflower. Please do um, do tick one of these boxes. It'd be really, really helpful for us to, to understand. Um, so what I'm going to do now is, whilst we're answering that, and I'll come back to that in a moment, I'm going to ask um, our, our panellists uh, to introduce themselves a bit more fully and talk a little bit about their role in community-based marketing or running communities, depending on what it is that they do, what's most appropriate. So, Zana, perhaps I can start with you. Tell us a bit more about yourself and your uh, role at B2B marketing, but also the various other things you do which are related to this topic. Sure, delighted to. And thank you for inviting me to be on this panel because this is a subject that I'm completely passionate about. So, you know, gosh, now now I feel like I'm doing the same thing with how many years ago. But um, over over a decade ago now, I was the CEO of WGSN, which was the world's leading trend forecaster. But actually, at its heart, it's a digital online community for brand and retail fashion designers from all over the world. So I saw then, you know, the power of a digital community. After that, um, I did consulting for Flying Trumpets, my own boutique consulting firm, and worked with events to build their online communities. And now today, as CEO of the Laidlaw Foundation, I can see the incredible value that we gain from having all of our Laidlaw scholars all over the world. We work with, gosh, now 14 top education institutions. So, you know, Cambridge, Russell Group, Ivy League, London Business School, Oxford Said. So all of these top institutions and the scholars will come together virtually in our Laidlaw Scholars Network. And then clearly, you know, as chair of B2B Marketing, I mean, huge fan of the work that you and the team have done to create Propolis, which is the marketing community. So for anybody involved in B2B marketing, that's that's where they need to be in order to get their intelligence and insight and inspiration. So um, uh, involvement with communities is I'm a board member of Zapnito, which is the SaaS platform that powers so many B2B communities. And I can see, again, the value that each one of the clients gets by having these online communities where people come together, share expertise, and build this sort of collective intelligence. Thank you, Susanna. And Susanna, you've pointed out the obvious, my obvious mistake, um, which is that I'm the world's worst salesman, so I, I neglect to even sell our own community, which we've spent so much time doing with people properly, which we will talk more about later. But I obviously wanted to be truly con uh, subject agnostic, uh, first of all, before we went on down that. But, but yeah, yeah your house been... Well, you're, well, you can do it with more impunity than I, I can, but we will talk more about that later on, I'm sure. Um, and we'd be happy to tell anybody more about it at whatever time they need to. So, and we've already got some questions coming in. But so that's great, Suzanne. Wonderful to have you involved in this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to your contribution. The next person I want to ask to introduce themselves more fully is Ashley. So, Ashley, tell us a bit, bit more about, your, about yourself and your role with Guild and your, your history and all that kind of stuff, if you can do that possibly in a, in a successful way. <clears throat> Yes. Um, well, I, it started in really in 99, 1999, the last millennium, when I founded eConsultancy, which for three years was a digital community only whilst I had another job. So it, it started as a digital community, it wasn't meant to be a business ever, um, but obviously turned into one. 
Um, so that was back in the days of threaded discussion forums, uh, you know, bulletin boards, RSS and email lists and things, and then social media came along, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so yes, built up e-consultancy on the foundations at its core was, was a digital community of marketing professionals learning about digital marketing. Then obviously saw the world go mobile and more recently go into messaging apps and therefore uh, created Guild, uh, which is a, a platform for professional communities uh, and networking, which I guess you could say is somewhere between WhatsApp and LinkedIn, but can be branded and owned and run by you know brands. So we are so I'm a sort of a, and we run some of our own communities on that platform, um, as well as our customers running a whole range of different communities. So, yeah, I had exposure from it as a as a media and content brand in the consultancy, and now as a tech platform that's enabling communities, specifically sort of B two B and professional ones. So it's a bit like the um, uh, the Remington kind of story. I liked it so much, I went out and founded the company. Um, so um, something like that. Uh, you don't have to answer. That's my terrible joke. I, I do apologize. Um, we're in marketing, right? We can talk about advertising from the 1980s, right? That's allowed. Um, yeah. actually, You're showing our age again. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We don't know. I don't. You don't. You clearly don't know anything about what that what I'm talking about. Um, I'm too actually, young great to have you on board. <laughs> I didn't want to. I'm quite right too. Um, I, I, I will. Yeah. Great. Look, looking forward to having your insights and your thoughts. Um, you know, and Gil's been tremendous in helping kind of really kind of um, broaden that whole kind of community opportunity in B two B. So really looking forward to getting involved. So thanks for joining us today. Um, before I just in, in, introduce Zoe, our last panelist, I just want to remind everyone: please do take part in the in the in the uh, poll we've got in front of you now. I want to know what to what extent, if at all, are you making community marketing communities part of your marketing or customer engagement? Are you running your own community? Are you working with one or more third parties? Are you looking at it right now, or is it not something considered, or is that something else completely different? Please let us know which one of those you are. Um, in the meantime, Zoe, tell us a bit about yourself your, um, and your work at Bright and um, as an agency, because you're kind of coming from a different perspective on this. So tell us a bit about your, your, how you got involved with communities and how you work with your clients on that. Yeah, thanks, Joel, and thanks very much for the invite um, to be here today. So really excited to talk about community marketing. Um, Bright has been running for around eight years, and my background before that is all tech and consultancy professional service. So um, we focus heavily on working with those types of organizations. And um, it seemed pretty common sense when the pandemic hit that um, we needed to work out pretty quickly with our clients how they could better engage their existing customers and keep them close through what was a very challenging time, but also to think about how they might use use that approach to acquire new clients. So communities um, became the mechanism we've used with a number of our clients to um, bring together things like virtual events into a more always-on approach. Um, and also, having worked with a number of tech firms and SaaS firms in particular, there's a lot of value that we found uh, from taking a community model um, in order to allow that peer-to-peer -peer interaction, self-service, and, and also to inform their, their roadmaps going forward. So it's exciting, I think, that B2B is starting to take this more seriously and, and starting to get to grips with it. And it's really a consequence of how saturated, you know, we've seen those social media channels become over the um, the last 12 months and, and what people can do differently to add value um, and attract and retain the right um, clients into their organization. 
and and not just businesses as well organizations such as associations and member organizations who, who need to form that sense of uh, of community and and knowledge sharing yeah, it's, it's a little bit like it starts to sound a bit like just a minute when you're not asked the word community too many times in any one sentence or you get fine <laughs> um, um, so thank you for that. So really interested to have your perspective on this and on some insights on how your how your clients are using this and, and you know how you got to this point. So we're starting to get some questions in already, which is which is great. But before I go to those questions, and I just want to a, do some scene setting, but also I want just to kind of um, show the um, results of the poll we did. So um, quite interesting, as you can see here. Um, so about a third of people, um, just under a third, are running their own community right now. Ten uh, percent are working with third parties. A similar number of third are actively looking at right now. Twenty um, percent are not. Uh, it's not something they've considered so far. Um, and about five percent none of the above. I'm, I'm interested to know what that none of the above is, but but you have to offer it as an option. Um, um, I mean, Zoe, interested to get your take on this. Is that what you'd probably? Is would you? Are you surprised? This is what you'd expect in terms of the kind of broad base of clients that you work with. Um. Yes, to a certain extent. I'm pleased to see so many are already running their own community. I'd be interested to understand some of the challenges they faced with with keeping that approach fresh and successful um, and maintaining um, engagement. Um, I'm, I am also not surprised that people are actively looking at it. And as, as I said uh, um, on my intro, I feel like it's a natural evolution as people have had to move to use more virtual events and, and um, make better use of digital channels. Um, it's something that brings everything together as a sort of centralised hub to put your other activities around. Okay, thank you, Zoe. And uh, just to your point there, you raised, if you are doing your own community, and it would be quite interesting you respond to Zoe's question there, if you felt like sharing the challenges that you're facing, I'm sure the, the, the panelists would love to hear that because um, it's, a, it's a fascinating point. So please feel free to put that in the, um, in the Q&A. You don't have, it doesn't have to be a question. It could be a comment. And by the way, on that score, you know, we'd love just to get comments as well along the way. We'd love to get whatever engagement you're able to give us today. It's, it's really, really powerful for the, for the panelists. So please don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you today. Um, but then digging back into the questions I've asked the panel to prepare for. So, and I'm going to ask this to Ashley first of all. As I kind of asked, already asked it this to him when we did our. our um, Ashley was kind enough to speak also at Get Stacked a couple of weeks ago. And Ashley, I asked, you know, um, we, we say we talked about there's a huge upswell of interest in communities in B2B marketing right now. What do you think has caused this and how does it kind of rate or compare to what's happening outside B2B? Um, what do you think, Ashley? Um, yeah, well, I think there's, there's sort of two things, one of which is more acute and, and one more chronic or has been happening over time. So the acute thing, of course, is the coronavirus. And so <clears throat> that has caused you know, distancing, alienation, separation. And, and we as humans have an you know, inbuilt desire to want to connect and belong and um, feel part of something. And so, um, you know, all the remote working and everything. So digital forms of communication have been forced upon us. We have this desire to want to connect um, and it, with events we've not had the same kind of networking experience I think and not even in the office you know they're kind of working we've not had that those kind of in-person conversations and interactions so I think there's a particularly you know a, a, a specific big surge at the moment is uh, businesses are realizing, gosh, this digital thing's not going away. Now, whether that's remote work or events and whenever it's hybrid or pure digital or whatever, digital ways of connecting uh, in a community um, are, you know, here to stay. Um, but I think there are also 
macro trends. Um, so in terms of digital communities, obviously just digital transformation generally, all businesses are looking at that and channel shift from uh, physical to digital and, and mobile, but also things like the gig economy. And you know now with this remote working, this idea where you could tap into any market, any expertise, anywhere in the world, in any time zone and, you know, and people working longer and doing portfolio roles and passion economy and creator economy, all the trends around, you know, you know, if you can bring people together digitally and remotely in a community or group or network, you know, that's massively growing. And I think that there's in, in if you look at from a marketing point of view, which obviously do with e-consultancy, lots of studies to show that trust has moved away from brands and institutions to individuals, humans. So people are now looking for advice and information and guidance from other people they trust, not necessarily institutions or brands. Now that means community is a great opportunity to put people in touch with other people where they can get that that trust. And, and similarly, you know, customers are looking for more emotional engagement with brands. And so things like purpose, authenticity, and again, community is perfect for that kind of engagement, that kind of experience. So I think all of those things combined, and to be honest, just the noise in social media and, and lots of other channels and et cetera, and spam, there is this desire to kind of retreat into more curated and quality controlled environments, which communities again can deliver. So I think there's actually loads of reasons, both sort of macro trends and obviously coronavirus. So it's a, it's a very comprehensive answer, actually. So it's like a combination of factors. Susanna, you know, there's a <laughs> correlation of things that, that are kind of from all sides, you know, making communities more relevant or relevant again um, and and kind of pushing people in those directions. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think Ash is absolutely spot on. Um, you know, we in marketing, we've been talking about communities and the power of communities forever. I mean, I remember as the CMO of Informa sitting talking to our shareholders about the, the power of our events communities, the power power of our communities and so on. But they didn't actually behave like communities. Right? There, there wasn't this sort of digital environment where people actually did come together to learn from each other, to share with each other and, and so on. But now COVID has absolutely forced organizations to actually stop banging on about it and, and do it, right? Because the, the danger of losing connection with their clients and the, the danger, therefore, of losing those clients, and you think about the, the cost of reacquiring them, it's just so much of a priority now. It's so important that organizations have had to had to think about that and that's compounded by the fact that you know we've seen as she's talking about you know brand loyalty so the millennials have much loyalty to specific organizations and that means that if an organization wants to have sticky customers they're going to have to create a different environment for that loyalty and for that connection to to happen and I suppose the, the other thing is that um, not only does social media just get ridiculously noisy and, and shallow over the last year, but everybody else who didn't really have content before was piling in in the content space and trying to build audiences and communities. So you had 
business schools and media, which is sort of prosumer media, trying to take the, the clients that normally B2B marketers would be able to hold their attention. So that is just all of those things have, have come together to create an urgency around B2B marketers either building their own communities or joining in on an established community. And then just very quickly from the other side is that if you are a B2B marketer and you're in an organization where marketing perhaps is not the driving point of an organization. So if you're in professional services, for instance, and in professional services, it's all about the partners who are driving client revenue then you can feel really isolated as a marketer. So it's become incredibly important that you join a community. So there's both a sort of a, a individual career need and an organizational profit need, which means that everybody's focused on communities. Okay. So, um, so Susanna, I, I mean, I was surprised that anyone could, Ashley's answer was so comprehensive, I could surprise anyone could add anything to it, but I should have known better than to not expect you to find some more value to add onto that. But it does create Zoe with a very difficult problem to ask any, say anything meaningful to add to that. So I'm going to ask her a difficult question, which is, Zoe, is there a bit of this, which is Marcus is like kind of shiny, there's a, the shiny object syndrome goes on in marketing, doesn't it? Oh, it's a new trend. Community marketing, that must be the new thing we can get our clients to spend money on or we can invest in. Is there a bit of that going on? Is there any any um, putting a, a cynical hat on? I'm a journalist, it's my job. Um, is, there any, is there any cynicism that we can apply to this or, or, or is it all entirely in the, doing it for the right reasons? No, I think that's a good question. And I do think that there's certainly a, a fair amount of failed communities out there. And we've probably all experienced that where we've, um, embraced an, what looks on the surface like an exciting opportunity to network with our peers or um, find out about new and useful thinking um, and they've not really kind of fulfilled on their promise and I think that's a very important point when embarking on this as a marketing strategy is you really do need to think about how you're going to support a community because when it's in its infancy it will need some help to get off the ground um, effectively um, some common sense things like making sure you're clear on the purpose of the community, um, what the intention is um, and how it's going to evolve and that you're able to support it with the right resource because it can be resource intensive um, to manage and curate but also the right kind of content um, so that it is interesting and engaging for the people that you're providing that space and sense of community too. And, and as Ashley um, recognised and has spoken about, you know, building an emotional connection is something that's becoming more and more important in B2B. And these communities are, are a place where people can network and engage with one another much more directly than ever before. And, and, your, and your brand, if, if you're an organisation, is, is facilitating that. So I think there are some gotchas for sure. Um, and B2B marketers do need to think carefully about when they embark on this, probably taking a bit of a test, learn and build approach is what, you know, is how we would recommend you get started so that you can start small and build on success rather than big bang, okay. um, which, yeah. which could you know, set yourself up to fail. 
Okay, that sounds like very wise advice. So I wanted to go, and I can see Ashley's already got, is, is uh, starting to answer the questions already, but I wanted to have a conversation about the questions that we've had coming. We've had some great ones come in. And Doug was the first, Doug Marshall submitted the first question. So hi, Doug. Um, Doug's asked, um, how, do you, how do you create a sense of belonging for a community? I mean, that's quite a big question, actually. Ashley, what were what your thoughts on that? Um, I had, I did actually publish something recently. Um, uh, I came up with this, what I called the six ingredients for a sort of accessible community, which happened to smell, spell the word potato. So if you Google potato community guild or something or other, it should come up. But um, there are, um, you know, certain, I think, underlying things. So like, you know, a, a passion point, something that actually people have a shared strong interest around obviously um, but also opportunistic so where there's you know a new emerging market in a sense when i did e-consultancy that was based on this exciting new opportunity that was digital that meant people had a reason to come together um, threat you know most communities are very powerful when they face a communal threat you know so like a tribal reaction and at the moment coronavirus is a good example of that where there are like we have a great community on Guild for event organizers who have to pivot to digital and stuff. And normally they might be competing with each other, but they're all happily helping each other out because they're all going, God, just, this, is, this is something, a nightmare we're all facing. Um, I think sometimes actually therapy as well, certainly with e-consultancy, you know, when we used to run roundtables or even you know, to some degree events like this, it's communities thrive on sharing their problems, you know, because you feel so much, not only might you get some answers, but you just feel better by talking about it, to be honest. And that's a surprisingly powerful um, sort of glue to hold people together. Like, really, you have that problem too? Oh God, that, you know, so, and then obviously things like shared backgrounds, shared experiences, or the kind of alumni or ex-colleagues and things. So there's a number of different ways, I think, okay. which sort of ingredients for a Okay. Success. So just, just likely. Thank you. Thank you. And it sounds like you've got a you've got a very comprehensive answer. Just the notes to the panelists. We're going to try and get through the questions ourselves live. So please, let's not let's not answer them bitterly. Let's we can go we can go through these one by one and, and get your answers properly uh, rather than jumping the gun. And, and Jack, I don't know if we can get some of these back. With some of them, a couple of seem to have disappeared now. Not quite sure why. Um, so so, uh, but then just to just to just building on uh, Ashley's answer there, Susanna. What, have you, what do you think about this? What how do you create a sense of belonging for a community? Is there a is that an easy thing to do or is that quite a it's just about the ethos and the spirit and the atmosphere within it that, that makes it work and makes it it's an intangible or is it a tangible? I think identifying the community is about all of those things that Ashley just talked about. And, and I would add to it um, shared values. Um, I think that's incredibly important. So um, as well as an interest, there has to be some kind of agreement about who are we as a community what is it that we're trying to achieve so if you've got any sort of momentum that you're that you're really trying to make happen in the world then, then that creates a really good sense of belonging and a, and a reason for everybody to to come together to pull their intelligence um, because the danger I think with a lot of communities is that um, certainly in the tech world, if people haven't really thought through this properly and don't really understand it, some of the old kind of legacy stuff from forums was basically actually they were just areas to whinge. So sort of general, general chatting and whining doesn't make a good community. Right? That, that really quickly gets old. So to create a sense of, of belonging, you, you have to create this sense of 
shared experience, as Ashley said, and then also this feeling that by all being part of this group together, of this community, this tribe, you're you're elevating the whole thing because all of your inputs together means that whatever this group is that you care about, so so in our proper world, it's caring deeply about B2B marketing. By being a member of that, you make the whole thing better. Okay, yeah, I, 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 love, I love that sense of shared purpose and, and kind of transcending the, mund, the mundanities of our lives. It, it feels like where we, where we should be going definitely and obviously we're, we're that's a key priority for us in, in Propolis and um, uh, Zoe I mean I, I appreciate you do you have anything to add to that I mean you know you, you made you actually did make the point around starting small just now which I think is a, a very pragmatic one you know um, how much do you have to have these higher aspirations in your mind when perhaps you're trying to do something a bit more pr tactical or pragmatic to, to build a proof a proof, a proof, a proof of concept yeah I think that's a um... An interesting one. So, I mean, on a practical note, um, for us, when we're working with our clients who are, you know, selling high-value, complex products or services, you know, these communities need to obviously have a sense of purpose, as you said. Um, usually, that they, they are kind of grav gravitating around uh, an area of interest, topic of interest, or um, function um, or product set. You know, Tableau is a good example of a tech community that's been well established and has um, a lot of members that ha are users but also um, thinking about you know the more senior people that you're trying to engage from a commercial perspective I mean content is key um, for many of our communities really be able to provide an edge um, through intelligence um, access to experts um, and knowledge um, which is so important and adds that value, which keeps people coming back um, again. Um, and, and obviously the community, a lot of the communities we run are not um, paid for um, because they're provided by a vendor or a consultancy um, provided to bring together their clients and prospects. And I do think that makes a difference okay. as well. Okay. So, um, Thank you for that. Um, and we're getting loads of questions in, so I'm going to ask the panel, um, which is wonderful, So, but please keep them coming. I want to get as many of these answers as possible. If the panel want to kind of go back and ask answer something more fully afterwards, please do, but I just want to make sure we don't jump the gun and we get everyone opportunity to contribute. So if we can ask the panel to think in terms of sound bites, that would be really good so we can get through as many of these as possible. I know that's really easy to say and it's harder to do, but I've, you know, I've got to ask. Um, so, I mean, Ty Fox Rad, is, Rad I, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, uh, Ty, um, is asked what platform would the panel say is most important to build digital presence on and how important do they think Instagram will be for B2B marketing strategies going forward? And it's, I think that I think it's worth addressing this, but this is not, I don't think this was, we were more talking about the kind of closed proprietary communities for this, for the purpose of this, this webinar, um, rather than perhaps the kind of broader public, publicly accessible ones, rather than using, but I mean, I, I mean, I guess, Zoe might ask this one at you. I mean, you know, is there is there potential? I mean, Ashley's previously made the point around. I think I think Susanna said that there's a lot of crap. But she didn't. That's not words she used, but words I use. There's a lot of crap on a lot of those platforms now. Um, is it still viable to be building communities on things like Instagram? Is that still something that's that's worth exploring? Do you work with any of your clients to do that? Well, we don't build communities on Insta, but we do use it to and integrate it into our community-based marketing strategy. So. Yeah, it has a role to play for sure. And I think the key thing with communities is not standalone. It is part of an integrated approach to marketing. 
um, and you're really driving people to join and retaining them um, by using the channels at your disposal where your targets are most likely to be. Um, I mean, that said, there are platforms, specialist platforms out there for communities that we have used with clients um, and continue to use. Um, there's been a, like, a huge explosion in um, digital virtual event platforms that are kind of edging into this space as well. They've got like much more interactive tools and like trying to bridge the gap between events. Um, so I'm sure that we'll continue to see further tech development in this space. Um, as I said, you know, we, we very much focus on using an agile approach to building these communities, so testing, learning, building on success, so bringing in channels as and when we need, but usually the community itself sits with on, um, on some kind of platform. Um, okay. which I can happily talk about, but uh, yeah, it might be something for Ashley perhaps to, to chat about a bit more. I wanted to throw it to Suzanne. Suzanne, do you have any comments on this at all? Is this something, anything you have any views or views about? Are these places like Instagram still relevant? Yeah, I, I really do have views on, on this, partly because we experienced it with the Laidlaw Foundation. So um, we originally on Facebook, and the interaction that we had with our scholars there was really lightweight. It was, the engagement scores were really low and it, and it was just, it was superficial, right? It was likes and random posts and, and there wasn't really any value. Um, it was just a, a way for people to kind of say hi and for us to signpost stuff that was, that was going on. We made the decision actually because of ethical reasons. We thought we, we teach ethical leadership. And so we thought mm, Facebook is not an appropriate place for us to, to be because we didn't like all sorts of ways that they were responding to things. So we made the decision from an ethical standpoint, but actually from a, a, a marketing standpoint, it was absolutely the right decision because as soon as we created our own closed environment. Engagement just grew astronomically. And not just the, the time within the community and the number of conversations and so on, but the depth of the engagement has just been transformed. So I feel really passionately about, you can have followers, mm -hmm. absolutely, on something like Instagram, especially have, you know, stuff that, looks nice from an image perspective but you on instagram community is about shared intelligence shared experiences and, and you can't do that in a noisy shallow place okay beautifully put um ashley i mean any, any you know there's a any any quick come back on uh, add, to, add to this you know you you went out and created the platform because you know you were you're using my, my memory of how you sold you told me how you the genesis was because WhatsApp wasn't quite doing it. So, you know, you're very much, I suspect, on board with the proprietorial um, platform. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, I mean, even Mark Zuckerberg has recognized that what people want less and less is the sort of town square, noisy social media experience. And they are retreating to slightly more, you know, he calls it your, your living room or something. So Facebook is moving more towards less noisy open into more intimate you know controlled spaces which i think is that's that's happening across all these media i think generally that those more public social media have um 
you know, is for the top of the funnel awareness building, but not very good for com what I'd say true community because it's quite thin, you know, um, as Susanna's saying, it's also people tend to basically show off and lie there. I mean, it's not, it's just not genuine because it's marketing in the sense of putting out a curated image. Whereas I think, you know, what I like and I think most successful communities, there's a sort of sense of safety and emotional honesty and transparency, which takes a while to, to create because it, it, it means you need to trust that environment. And frankly, I don't trust Facebook. So, but then, you know, that's my personal view. I think some people, are, particularly for B2B, but, um, but you know, but people do run some Facebook groups with some success. But so Instagram, I'd see more as a top of funnel, you know, marketing thing, particularly for image rich B2B stuff. I think I think do do we trust Facebook as a sort of subject to a whole different webinar, which could be fascinating and probably highly yeah. libelous as well. I suspect. But um, uh, anyway, th thank you for that, uh, Ashley. Um, I'm going to try and move on next. We've got loads of questions, so, but please keep them coming. If we don't get a chance to answer them by happenstance, we will. I will. I will send them to the panelists afterwards and get their feedback afterwards. So we'll definitely get a response to all of these. Um, Andre um, Rampat. Um, says, I totally agree with the importance of digital communities for building relationships and developing trust to support sales and customer relationships. All B2B, if all B2B vendors of a giving industry develop their own branded community, how quickly will we reach saturation point and how many communities can a person really be realistic and be a member of before it leads to overload? Good question. Uh, Susanna, can I go to you that one first? I think it's an excellent question. And actually, I don't think that all vendors should be creating their own cases it's actually highly inappropriate um and we're joining the a community an established trusted authoritative community that already exists for the target audience for their for their clients now obviously um when they when they do that they have to be very careful. They can't go in for, for hard selling. Otherwise, any community manager worth their salt will kick them off immediately and won't let them allow, won't allow them to be part of it. But if you think about um, the the Neil Rackham buying cycle and think about how people buy products, that you get you know the the best conversion at the highest average order value. If you're in the shaping of the requirements of needs phase, I think if you are, um, say, say in, in our world, in the marketing world, if you're an agency, much more sensible to join that already has a tr trusted community of others than, than to try and build your own in that conflict. Yeah, it, I think think about it very carefully. I think, it, I mean, it, it plays to the point really about why um, as we were talking about before, a lot of the communities are being created in this second wave by media um, organisations who are used to being, or membership organisations who are used to being those intermediaries. I mean, perhaps, but in your point about agencies and the relevance of it, perhaps we can throw that at Zoe, seeing as she is from an agency. Um, I mean, do you, you know, when you're talking about community-based marketing, you're, I'm assuming that you're not saying to all of your clients, hey, you need to set up a community. I mean, a lot of the time you're saying these are some places where you can interact that already exist. Is that correct? Yeah, so it definitely it's a mixed approach and I think that's a good point and you really have to think about the purpose and we certainly wouldn't be saying that, you know, as a SaaS provider, you could engage necessarily your C-suite um, buyers or decision makers within a community um, very easily. 
um, or, you know, without significant effort, there's definitely better pre-existing communities to focus your energies on becoming part part of. Um, but when it comes to um, retention type marketing for your clients, then communities become much more powerful as a differentiator and to get that engagement um, and also the intelligence you can gather from them for product development purposes, etc., is is really valuable. So, yeah, you do have to think about the purpose. Um, and it's not all about new business acquisition. It is about, as well, providing value to your existing client base and retaining them. And I think particularly tech firms have learned a lot over the last 12 months of COVID about the importance of retaining um, their existing client base and expanding on it, as well as acquiring new net new. Because we're all living in the in the SaaS economy now, aren't we? Basically, so um, you know, it's it the whole basis of the customer relationship changes, and so I completely see that point. Um, Ashley, just the question to you. I mean, you were talking before this event about the number of communities you've got on Guild, and it sounds like it's expanding quite fast. Is there a saturation point? Well, there's also there's a lot of various interesting research around this. Um, I mean, there's the, we have a chap, uh, Professor Robin Dunbar, who's on our, our advisory board, actually, and he's famous for the Dunbar number, which is 150 people, and that's sort of the maximum number of people you can really know and how they relate to you and each other. So it's quite small. You know, so in reality, the when you have these communities of thousands or, you know, LinkedIn groups of 13,412, it's highly unlikely you know the people very well, and, and therefore it's quite hard to create a strong sense of, of those sort of bonds and, and, and deeper community. So I think there's an interesting point around size of groups. And in, in old school social media, people chased big numbers, basically. They wanted more hits and followers and subscribers. And they thought that big numbers equals successful community. And I think that's fundamentally wrong, um, particularly in B2B, which is more about value rather than volume on, and sort of quality rather than con content uh, uh, quantity, I think. So there's that around just the size of communities. In terms of, I mean, yes, we have finite amount of attention. And again, I think there's some research that says that in terms of communities or groups, networks that people value, it's rarely more than about three or four. I mean, you know, call it five at a stretch, 10. So I think, yes, there is this interesting point that, um, and it might be in different parts of their life, you know, for their profession, their sports interest, their local community, whatever it is. So, so yes, it is finite. And I think then to answer, you know, is there a glut of communities coming? Yes, quite possibly. Is there a glut of content on the internet? Absolutely, it always has been. Is there a glut of social media? Yes. So in the end, the answer really is you've got to be better than the others. I mean, that's, you know, and if your community is better, you will win out. But it, you know, that takes yeah. some effort and commitment and time. So being first or early to market is good. You know, so yes, there's a sort of maybe some incentive to get out there. If there's no one doing something in your space, you have got a bit of clear water to sort of seize the advantage. But that doesn't mean, but over time, you still need to kind of add value. To, and if you do, though, you get a viral effect because people recommend other people. So it becomes a self-fulfilling thing. But you have to kind of say, ideally, get in early and do a great job. And then you kind of reap the, the rewards in a, in a kind of network effect or viral effect a mechanic, which is extremely powerful, obviously. Okay, a great answer, Ashley. Thank you. Um, next question: we, we so we're trying to get through as many as we can because of this one. This this question's got. I know Ashley will have probably about. I probably have um, a dissertation or a, 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 a long version of War and Peace to answer on this next one. So I'm going to ask all the panelists just to have one thing. 
So Anne Loisel from Dell has asked, what do the panelists feel are some of the best practices on adding value and benefit to members that are part of their community so they feel um, or continue to feel engaged and excited about being part of the community? So I'm asking panelists to say one one best practice rather than I, want, I don't want five or ten, we haven't got time, just one thing. So could we start perhaps with, um, uh, with Zoe? Is there a one thing that you've seen that is great to get people excited and um, uh, engaged? Yeah, relevance, I would say. So don't set it up as a monolithic thing. Think about it as a caravan that you need to move and evolve with your members' um, needs and um, what engages them. So, yeah, stay relevant and um, make sure that you're really tapping into what your your members want to um, talk about and understand. Okay, because you need to get sidetracked, I'm sure. So thank, so thank you for that. Susanna, what do you think? Is there one thing you'd advise? There's lots of things, but let's try and focus on one for the this uh, moment did you make it yeah make it a place that people come to for a shared experience so have that be the place that they have their video panels that they come together or their book clubs or, or something where it, it is a, a destination for a shared experience Okay, thank you, Susanna. Ashley, I know you will have a lot of lot of thoughts on this, but I'm just looking for one right now. So, uh, please try and limit it to one. I guess it has to come back to some sort of passion at the core of it. I know that's easy to say, but I mean that that's slightly like the point about relevance. But even more than that, ideally, and particularly in the community leader, you just need someone who actually cares, and it's surprising, you know, actually wants to help people. Um, and 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 the, a purpose or passion at the core of the community, like the why of the community, and that can be some arcane, you know, something weird and arcane as B two B marketing, for example. <laughs> it doesn't have to be football. You know, if people have a passion, and you're trying to find that tribe, you're trying to bring together the people around that passion. So, it seems obvious, but I'm surprised how often people start communities with, and you think, why would I want to join? I don't even know what that's about, and why would I'm not sure why I'd want to join it. You know, so I think you just really got to be quite clear on that. Okay, that's a, that's a great answer, and I think that that sense of passion actually dovetails really nicely with the next question, which is asked by Louis Fernandez. Hi, Louis, how are you? Long time no see from HRS Group, um, and Louis asks. Uh, as, as Ashley's already alluded to the chronic coronavirus effect, creating a lack of social contact, something that's always been imperative in B2B sales, digital communities are clearly a great way of bridging this gap. But how do brands leverage them at this point without becoming across as inauthentic or opportunistic? So it's that gen sense of being genuine in this, which is, I guess it's relevant in all marketing, isn't it? You know, And it's that point around when coronavirus hit, everyone was saying that we're there for you. Um, even if you didn't want them to be there for you, they were still telling, telling you emails and saying they were there for you. So how do you, how do you, how do you make sure you're authentic in in, a, in starting a community? Ashley first. Well, just by being authentic, I guess. I mean, it, it's not rocket science. It's like if, if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're trying to help people, they will know that. I mean, it's it's. I don't know, like you're thinking of uh, having a, a dinner party or making friends or anything like that. It's not. If you ask yourself quite sincerely, why are we doing this and what are you trying to achieve? And if it's we're going to try and flog widgets and gather data to spam them harder, then it's probably not going to work. If you're saying, well, we're going to help. Yes, we're trying to sell stuff. We're going to try and help answer your questions if it's you know a prospecting thing. But the great thing is we've got our great best experts here available and you can tap into your peers and their experience and we'll share those openly. That's suddenly quite compelling and it's genuine and authentic, but you can still make money off the back of it. 
So I think you can do both. You just you just have to be authentic. <laughs> Susanna, what do you think? Is it you know is this a, this a difference between a transactional sales moment and a and a marketing orientated relationship? I mean, sorry, that might be very inappropriate itself. But what do you think about how do you be authentic in community starting a community at this time? By really understanding what your member needs are and how you're going to facilitate that. So it, it's all about thinking, okay, why should this community connect? And then you, you facilitate those connections. So we work incredibly hard at the Laidlaw Foundation to make sure that um, something as basic as the members directory on the community has the right filters and the right drop downs for people to be able to find each other. So to be able to find someone who's studying the same thing or who has um, a particular research project that they're working on that might connect to somebody in a different discipline. So I think it's really about, yeah, understanding your, your members and making sure that you facilitate the connections that will benefit them and help to that larger purpose that you're working on. Thank you, Susanna. And Zoe, I think that possibly one thing that might that you you know be pertinent to you as an agency is actually it's about long term, isn't it? You're thinking you can't in in all social media you you always think it was everyone was always advised this is not not a flash in the pan moment. It's a commitment, and I guess this applies even more if you're establishing setting something up or working in partnership with somebody. You have to think about the the longevity of this. Yeah, definitely. It's not it's not an, um, a short term undertaking. I mean, that said, you do get communities springing up off the back of um, events and um, very kind of pertinent topics of interest, but then they can evolve into a, a longer term um, community approach and they tend to be the genesis point for a new community sometimes. Um, I definitely agree that they can't be broadcast only mode and the beauty of them is it really is that two-way dialogue um, to allow you to bring your experts and your knowledge together with your prospects and customers. So, um, and to take advantage of that, you do have to be authentic and open and um, show, the, show the value of the community through, through great curation and content and not being sales-led, as I said. Okay. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I'm going to try and get through as many of the next questions as we can in, the, in this time available, but we're going to probably leave a few. Um, uh, Adrian Chance from GNH has asked about Ashley's potato. Ashley, uh, we can get him, we'll send your potato over to Ashley, um, uh, or you can do it directly. But um, rather than go through it now, if that's okay, um, uh, it had quite a lot of resonance against that. Um, uh, I think actually uh, Tom from Parts from Science has asked around. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, he's asked around the nature of. Um, Ashley's answering that, I can tell right now, the nature of kind of uh, partner relationships within this, and I suspect this is probably quite a complex question to answer in the time available, but how do you, I think, uh, keep it uh, keep it positive within communities and prevent people from kind of being negative and, and being, um, uh, and kind of um, having gripes? I think that relates to a point earlier on about being staying positive. I mean, Ashley, would, do you want to tell us what you were starting to type then around on this, or answer to this? Uh, yeah, I wasn't typing anything, so I was just trying to sort of click to read it, basically, to have a pre-think. But um, essentially, this is where I think he's saying they've got resellers, so sort of partners. If you put them all together, yeah. they might sort of gang up on either sort of swap stories or gang up on, on, on them. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you do need to think it's the same within communities. Often in, in B2B communities, you might have buyers and sellers, you know, so even as B2B marketing, you know, do you have a community which has vendors, tech vendors selling to B2B marketers as well as the clients, the buy side themselves? And I, you know, there's a slightly a case by case basis. Um, and but it can work. It can actually work okay where you're mixing buyers and sellers. But you just just like you can at a roundtable event or at an event. But you need to have the guidelines and expectations and the rules quite clear, and you need to enforce them. Um, but otherwise, but then I think you know um, the, the sell side can actually add a lot of value. And in this case, his question, I I suspect in some ways, although it's hard to hear you as a as a SaaS platform in this in that in his case you might want to hear the gripes. I know it's hard to hear and air them. What you don't want to hear is sort of pricing or commercial, you know, discussions, I guess, out in the open. But you would want feedback on your platform, I think. And you would want if customers are upset or this doesn't work or customer service is too slow and they're whinging, well, I'd say you've got to sort of face up to that and say, well, if they're whinging, maybe there's something we need to fix. Um, so, yeah, I can see there it's a delicate one. It's like, de it's like dealing with Twitter complaints th com uh, thoroughly and, and, and transparently. Susanna, I know you and I were discussing this earlier on. Is there a place for the supply side in, within a community? Yeah, I absolutely think that there is, as long as, to, to Ashley's point, um, the rules are, are very clear um, and you create appropriate private spaces for different, different groups. So, you know, if... Um, if I think about that, that that question around, you know, resellers and, and, you know, maybe they would be having a bit of a gripe as well. I would absolutely, if, um, so Zapnito is the SaaS platform that obviously I know the best for, for communities. Um, and within that, you know, very out of the box product, um, you can say, okay, this room, this area is completely private. So you could let all of the resellers live in there and and have a good old slanging match where they say all of the things that that drive them nuts, and that's great because then you hear about it. Right? But then in other areas of of that same platform within the overall community, they can have appropriate interaction with with clients. Yeah, it, it's absolutely about the privacy, the access. Um, rights that you give people, but I think you know better to know, and then you can deal with it. Yeah, I, that sounds very sensible to me. Um, I, my favourite question we've had so far. We, we're going to miss some questions, but we'll get these answered afterwards. So, apologies to some people we're going to miss um, asking you. But Pat Scannon from Corporate Financial Group has asked my favourite question of the day, which is three words. And so I'm going to position it at you first of all. And she said, and he, um, he or she, I'm not quite sure what Pat or she says. What about Clubhouse? And I like the fact it's just three words. It's like it's very, very brutal. So, Zoe, what do you think? What about Clubhouse? You know, I'm, I'm assuming um, the, the implication is, is that vi is that relevant? Is it viable? Is it a flash in the pan? Do we think that Clubhouse is the is the new frontier of, of communities or is it something that's going to be gone in six months time? Oh, it's the, <laughs> there's a lot of questions there. But um, yes, Clubhouse is here now and we are experiencing it for, for a number of our clients to see what we can do with it best for B2B and to give it some longevity. At the moment, it feels a little bit like a flash in a pan. But that said, you know, I think people said that about other new social media channels. So let's see. Um, again, we 
you know, we're testing it at the moment. We're learning as much as we can about how we can apply it as part of an integrated approach. And and, and that is within our community models as well for clients. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll have to take the safe safe options and say, watch this space. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll test it and, and share some of our stories with you over the coming months. Okay, completely fair enough. I'm going to ask the same question to Susanna and Ashley, but and then just see if they can just do in a soundbite. What about Clubhouse? Susanna, first of all, what do you think? What about Clubhouse? Is it his day gone tomorrow, or is this the future of B2B marketing? I think it's it's that top of the funnel stuff. It's raising awareness. Um, it's, it's brand positioning. If you've got somebody who is appropriate to be in that place. If, if not... Don't let your CEO drive you down a sort of ego marketing route that will just and actually won't um, do anything for the bottom line. Okay, avoid ego marketing. Um, very good, very very wise. Uh, Ashley, what do you think? Clubhouse is it? Is this something to explore, or should we be doing what Zoe advises in being well, caution at this point? I mean, it's interesting to explore as in these new popular things, and specifically the you know audio as a medium which is now coming to twitter and everyone else to linkedin everyone's copying it so but as an experience yes interesting i'd be very cautious though as a brand or as a marketer of building investing much effort in clubhouse because i think you're building their business more than you are your your, your own then so yeah, great for them i'm not quite clear you don't really have any ownership or control yourself um it's a bit like the early days of linkedin where some you know published media moved said well let's just run everything off linkedin only to realize they'd basically handed over their customers and business to a third-party <laughs> platform so yes for a bit of fun and maybe to build some awareness as um, Susanna was saying top of the funnel stuff i wouldn't personally do any more than that at the moment at least okay so that's fantastic. So I'm going to have to apologise because we, we've just about out of time. I have to apologise to Helen, Nea and Kate, who've all posed brilliant questions that I don't even have time to get to. I will ask the panel if they can respond to them in text and we can send you that later on and we'll try and get all of these questions responded to in text. But just before we, we, before we go, and perhaps I might call on Susanna to better possibly help me on this if I've messed up. I have, I've uh, covered everything in the way that I, I could and, and indeed should do. Um, and I'm just trying to pull up my um my correct screen we we wanted to we wanted it'd be remiss of us to 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 leave here today without telling you first of all about the new report which we've got coming up um which you will be able to um i believe you've got to download from our home screen which is on on community marketing uh, which is done in association with zap nito so please have a look at that but also more importantly to tell you a bit about propolis which is our own um, B2B marketing community, which we launched earlier this year, um, which is currently exclusively available to client-side marketers. Um, and it's a, one, it's a fantastic place to learn about B2B marketing, to build your connections, uh, to um, get involved with sub-communities on specific topics and areas that are of core relevance to you and your team. Um, and we'd love to tell you more about it. They're bespoke events, and it's very much a safe space, as discussed, to talk about all these really core issues, build your network and build your understanding. Susanna, is there anything else that you needed me to cover on that I think I've missed on that in that brief description? No, I think that's that's it. I mean, I think, you know, rather than having to work out which webinars to attend and all of that kind of thing, if you're interested in, you know, future of B2B marketing and should you be following community-based marketing or, or anything else, 
join Propolis and you get all of the answers. That's a beautiful way of putting it. So I want to thank Susanna and Ashley and Zoe for their fantastic contribution today. I've really enjoyed this webinar. It's been absolutely brilliant. Lots of insightful comments. Thank you so much for all of your questions. And um, we'll say we'll try and get the ones we didn't get time to get to today answered. Um, I also, best to bear in mind that the panel actually prepared for a, a whole lot of other questions I asked them, which we didn't even touch because you guys asked so many great questions. So thank you very much for that. And thank you for them, for all of their input and for their dealing with my sarcasm along the way. Um, so thank you for you for joining us today. Hope you can download some of the resources and watch this again and share this with your colleagues. And we hope you can join us again for another webinar very soon. Good afternoon. Goodbye. Thank you very much for joining us.